Hello, everybody, and welcome back to PodCanna episode 36. We come off the back of a weekend of a lot of card games. Kawa playing Lorcana, but Moyen playing One Piece. Moyen actually had a pretty impressive finish. Moyen, you can talk to us a little bit about that. You were just telling us the story of... Um, how much money mm. you lost <laughs> so i got i got 18th out of 2500 players um and i made like let's say 5k plus in 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 prizes but one more win was like uh 35k so it was a uh, another very painful loss in the end but overall i'm i'm very happy with with the result mm-hmm. kawa your lorcana tournament yeah went over to manchester with raven again last weekend Super fun. Much smaller event than Moyne's event. It was only about 43 people that participated, which was actually a lot less than the last major one I went to. Uh, but I ended up coming third, which I was also super happy with. Uh, I think when you get a good result like that, going into a, one of like the next events, you probably feel a little bit more confident. So uh, as I approach the big like European Vienna event, which I believe is in two weeks, I am feeling a lot more confident. I think I understand the meta a lot more and... Uh, I just played against a lot of different types of 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 decks, but uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Learned a lot about the new meta. Have a lot for for once. I'm the person that has a lot to talk about Ruby Amethyst. I think, which is quite funny. Mm. Yeah. What deck did you play? I played the Aggro Ruby Amethyst deck, which I felt was quite favored in the mirror match. Uh, I did sub out a card. Um, that specific one being Teeth and Ambitions. I subbed it out for You Can Fly. Uh, which is a card I haven't really seen run in any other types of decks. It was okay. It was it was honestly for the majority for ninety percent of the tournament. I was like, this card's dog shit. Why is it in my deck? <laughs> but uh, it helped it helped me once or twice, mainly being able to play it onto your three three Madame Snake to then uh, trade into the opponent's um, Mini Mouse Surfer, the evasive. Uh, but overall, I think the tournament was interesting. I think the top eight it was six Ruby Amethyst, one. Uh, Sapphire Steel and then won uh, Amethyst Steel and that Amethyst Steel player was the only person who beat me throughout the tournament besides when it went to to the end so like uh, I lost my very first game to uh, Amethyst Steel and I was like well, well this is how this tournament is going but I pulled it back which I was I was uh, pretty happy with I just also have to mention Brendan I hope uh, I hope you know that you know we played top 8 I made top 4 they all asked to split and I said no <laughs> I still lost but I said no yeah that's was the only one someone actually got like pretty pissed off that we were like we said it was cowardice and it's like uh, obviously we're kind of memeing we say it's cowardice but hmm. i genuinely don't like splitting for multiple reasons one it is cowards no i'm kidding um <laughs> the main reason splitting sucks is because it's often not sanctioned by the tournament organizer and you have to trust the integrity of the other players on the top four or top eight which is fine that's fine most of people it 99 of the time it's going to work out fine um Sometimes it won't, very rare, but that's going to be unfortunate. The other time, even when it does work out, the reason why it sucks is often prizes aren't paid out immediately. And if you're the one who didn't win and you've decided to split, now you have to spend weeks, months, multiple, six months, one year chasing down this person asking for your money. It's just a terrible, terrible um, experience. So that's the main reason I like splitting is there's I haven't played too many tournaments where the amount of money I could get by prize splitting would be worth the headache of asking someone for my money for weeks, if not months on end. It's just like, it's another, it's like its own job. It sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm happy that you, <laughs> I mean, the thing <laughs> is like splitting is just, it's, it's whatever. Um, I think can, it's very different in events like this, personally. Yeah. Like once it gets the once it gets the OP and stuff, and there's actual money on the line. Like for, I'll give you my 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 honest reason why I didn't want to split. Right, mm-hmm. I made it to top to top four. 
these three players are like, yeah, let's split. And even the organizers are like, yeah, it's up to you. And I'm like, well, I know I'll be the villain if I say I'm not going to split. Yeah. But I'm not going to split. Because I was there to play. I wanted to play. And I also felt I was like, it's an interesting situation, right? The top four was all Ruby Amethyst. Yep. And I was playing the deck that beat Ruby Amethyst. So yep. I felt like fucking ultra favorite. I was like, <laughs> if I lose, I lose. But I felt like I had a, a high chance of winning. And uh, ultimately... I didn't really care. I think I, I, for coming third, I got like 12 packs and my packs were shit. I honestly couldn't care if my packs, if I got three enchanteds or if I got nothing because I was there to play. And I think that that's, that's the reason why I was hoping most of the other players were there to play as well. Like it's the whole yeah. thing that you were talking about, Brennan, right? It's like, oh, some people just go to try and get this plus, plus EV. And I understand like when it gets to like a high competitive level, but at this, like, I guess you could call it like a sem semi competitive yeah, events like a pack everyone yeah everyone should be yeah but everyone should be there to like practice anyways i i feel everyone should be there to improve uh and that's ultimately ultimately what i took from the event right yeah. i wasn't there to be like oh my god guys i won two boxes if i won the event i would have been like i won the event because yeah. i played well and i brought a good deck you know the glory the, yeah, the only splits yeah. that i deem somewhat acceptable is um if the winner still gets significantly more than the loser even mm -hmm. even though i'm not a big fan of but uh, there can never be a split that makes the game not worth playing because that ruins the entire tournament. And especially, if, let's say, the, the tournament streamed and there's people watching and suddenly oh, the they're watching a game that, yeah. that like, mm. no one cares about. So yeah. that, that's also really bad. Oh, we, for, for us, it was kind of fun because we were making jokes about it because the big extra prize you got for top 16 on the One Piece tournament was an uncut sheet of all of the alternate art cards, which was... Which was <laughs> extremely valuable it's the one that went for like 25k and then it's like oh do you want to split we just cut the uncut sheet <laughs> <laughs> yeah which would make it significantly less valuable than the the, 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 subtract the pieces on their own um yeah there's something you said there where you're like oh i know i'd become the villain um that, i mean that that that's something that's worth talking about because you will likely unless you're like you're seasoned or you just genuinely don't care um you're gonna feel like that and that sucks uh, it does feel like you're the odd one out i, I did feel like that yeah, yeah there was but, one guy there that walked over to me and is like oh yeah we're splitting and i was like no he's like wait we're not really yeah. are you sure come on come on why not but i'm like okay now we're definitely not yeah, splitting yeah. you know <laughs> yeah the only advice i can give is just fuck them <laughs> you know it's just like i mean it's it's you should not be a villain in that scenario but people will like they will, of they course, will treat you like that. Yeah. But those people are in the mm -hmm. wrong. People who are entitled to splitting are entitled to wins in card games. Like those are the worst card game players. Like anybody who walks away from a match, whether they lost and they're being aggressive towards you or you didn't split with them, if they felt entitled to the win of a card game, those people are losers. So I just don't entertain that. But um, yeah, what you talked about as well is you're like, you have the counter deck. That's totally reasonable. Yeah. There was one time. Yeah, exactly. It was a flesh and blood yeah. tournament. It was... um. A big tournament, five, six hundred players. It was uh, the, the calling after nationals. And my friend is playing, he's locked for top eight. And he goes up and mm -hmm. he plays against another player who they like know of each other. And this other player is like, you should concede to me. You can just, you should concede to me because I'll get top eight and you'll just get a lower seed. First of all, mm -hmm. you want the higher seed. Second of all, that player, the other player, the one who wasn't locked for top eight, is playing the counter deck to his deck. He's the only also, person. It's illegal. You yeah. cannot let someone yeah. win. It's just. He's, it's the only deck he doesn't want to see in top eight. It's just like, that's totally reasonable. It's like, if I let you in top eight, you'll beat me. So yeah, he won and he was like really angry, didn't concede. And it's just like, I don't know, all that stuff is so silly. I just prefer, I prefer to just not deal with it, to be honest. Like, I'm just like, I don't know. I just wish it, it wasn't so political and people weren't so entitled sometimes. It, it really you know, ruins the, like, like the competitive a, spirit. I don't mind people asking, but I, I mind it when they don't accept to know. 
Yeah. Like a respectful no. You're not entitled to anyone splitting or letting letting you win. Yeah. Um, I have a uh, sorry to interrupt. I have an interesting point as well, and it's something I I only learned at the event. I, I don't know if many people have been talking about it, but um, it was a whole idea. You know, uh, I asked one of the organizers because the people who ran the uh, event in Manchester, a few of them. Uh, are either employed by or work a lot with uh, an organization called Tournament Center. I'm not sure if you're familiar with yes, them, Brendan. Yes, very do familiar with yeah. them. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, basically, I was like, okay, do we know any actual rules yet about, uh, you know, when an OP comes in and stuff and if IDing is going to be an actual thing, right? Because some card games permit it and some card games don't. So one thing they said, uh, that this is an, an individual, or maybe it was a group of people, I, I'm not 100% sure, but they were said they were trying to push for the idea of instead instead of IDing, you'll understand this more, Brennan, instead mm-hmm. of IDing, um, when it gets to the top eight, uh, whatever matchups happen based on uh, seeding, then it's not random for uh, for who goes first, if that makes sense. So yeah. a higher seed player will go first. Does that, does that make sense to you? Because yes. I was a little bit confused on it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's how we do it in One Piece. And I was seed seven, mm-hmm. which was another reason why I would never split, because basically almost everyone I face, I will be able to decide who goes first okay. in, in game one. Yeah. How do you feel about that, Brian? Do you think that's something that, that you would like to see added to the game? So it's, is it saying the, I kind of got a lot. So if you make mm. top eight, your seed doesn't matter. It's still random or it's not random. Uh, I think it, your seed st- does still matter. I think. It yeah. Is, I prefer yeah. that. Cause if your seed, if your seed doesn't matter and who goes first is still random, then there's no reason to get like what eight through uh, one through eight is the same. Um, like yeah, having yeah, exactly, yeah. having having initiative and being able to choose who goes first and second, especially in a game like Lokana, but even in a game like Flesh and Blood, where it's way less relevant, um, it's a huge edge. Like it's a massive mm-hmm. edge. Um, also, and you, you should be rewarded for getting first or second. Or, mm-hmm. or, yeah. yeah, it's also it being rewarded that you get like first instead of eighth. Also, disincentivizes people that are already have already top cut secured to go into any of these shady things of uh, win trading or exactly. Um, or IDing. So I think that existing is really good to prevent that from happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Uh, cool. All right. There's one other thing I want to talk about, not related to Lorcana. Uh, it's a Legend of Ruterra news. So Legend of Ruterra. So Riot is like laying off a bunch of people, downsizing. Um, Legend of Ruterra is transitioning to be a, like a PVE game. Uh, so mm. they're getting rid of like, P- basically they're not supporting PVP. I don't know all the details, but like expansions won't really support it. And of course that probably means OP is like a uh, sanctioned OP is probably totally gone. Um, uh, people listening to this is like, why does it matter to us? We play a little The reason this matters is because Legend- Legends of Ruterra was sort of the bastion for free to play card games um, or free to play S card games that were monetized by cosmetics. And as that one fails and um, will fall by the wayside, it only further incentivizes the Marvel Snap type of um, monetization, which is effectively just a gambling money extractor. Gotcha and game. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. very invested in Marvel. All of us are. We all play Marvel Snap. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will open. I love the game, but I will openly say that it is an absolute psychological money extractor. Like it is borderline immoral, and it's really unfortunate that are the sort of the top one of the top free to play online card games, digital only card games, is going to uh, basically die. I understand it's going to be PVE, but that is a huge hit, and it's it's big news to be honest. And if Lorcana ever goes to a digital client, an official digital client, I hope that we get more of a Legends of Ruterra model rather than a Marvel Snap model because yeah. those, yeah, those, they're bad. And if it just, you can't play Ruterra multiple Marvel failing Snaps. Is, Ruterra failing is just so scary because it just means 
any developers um, might be a little bit more scared trying to do this, card games. this yeah, uh, yeah, free-to-play yeah. model um, because it is very hard to make it sustainable. Yeah, yeah. it's actually in, in a very, very side addition to that point. Uh, this weekend, I think, I don't know if it's this weekend, but recently the new like mini set for Hearthstone came out and yeah. I was obviously over in Manchester with Raven. He was like, oh, here's, here's the deck, whatever. So I was like, okay, I'll log into Hearthstone for the first time in like two years. The amount of stuff the game gave me for coming back. And it's something that does not happen in other card games like mm-hmm. Marvel Snap, right? It's like, and that's the whole idea. People are like, well, I've stopped playing the game for four months. Why would I want to come back? Even if something <laughs> cool was happening, why would I want to come back? I mean, Moyen, Moyen knows this. Moyen's like, well, yeah. even if I wanted to, if, if Marvel Snap announced an esports scene tomorrow, which is definitely not happening, Moyen's like, well, either yep. I spend my entire life yeah. savings to actually be able to play the game, or I just don't play. $2,000 buy in. Yeah. Which is completely true. If I never stopped playing Marvel Snap, okay, yeah, then I would still be playing. But like, then I would, I, I would also like to still be playing. But it's as soon as you ever stop, it's it's very hard to come back. It's also, you know, Johnson does these three v three tournaments mm-hmm. for Marvel Snap, yep. and I was asked to participate, but I was like, I don't think I can. I don't, I don't have cards anymore. <laughs> like, I can't screw the people on my team just because I I stopped playing for a bit and now I don't have the cards, so yeah. I, I had to. Had to decline, unfortunately. Yeah. The um, there's levels to monetization. Um, you know, Hearthstone is not a generous mo- model by any means. It's gotten better over the years, but it pales in comparison to Marvel Snap. And I just hope, mm-hmm. I hope that Marvel Snap doesn't set the bar. Um, I think that Marvel Snap is, uh, yeah, like I said, they're like the way that game is monetized is borderline immoral. Like it's all about just like psychologically tricking you into spending way more money than you want to, and it's way too mm-hmm. expensive. Uh, but yeah, so pulling out for Runeterra, hopefully. It doesn't set the wrong precedent in the industry, but it is significant news if you're a card gamer, even if you're a physical card gamer. Um, it it is significant, so just wanna just wanted to highlight that. All right, on to good news: the Larkana official organized play was announced. So let's break it down. I'm just gonna read this directly from an article. This is an article on thegamer.com. The Disney Lorcana Challenge will include events ranging from local tournaments to regional championships, cultivating in an invite-only world championship in 2025. So that's not this year. The challenge begins with regional-level challenge events. Those who win at this level will qualify for the North American or European Championships, so no Asia, um, planned for 20, the 2024 holiday season. Um, these are regional finals, and the top performers will be playing will be playing for invitations to the 2025 World Championship, which will be happening as a part of a as a part of a wider open event. So this is literally the flesh and blood model, by the way. Um, you have an invite only tournament, but on the same weekend you have an open tournament, so we can all go there and have a good time. Uh, Ravensburger has also committed that there will be additional chances to qualify for the championships to be announced at a later date. That's big. Don't know what the hell that means, but yeah, we'll t- uh, I'll dive in that in a sec. Things like prize support, exactly how qualifying events will work, how to register and take park will be available on the Lorcana uh, site from this March. So there's a lot to unpack here. The first thing I want to unpack, well, let's just talk about prize support. So there's two ways to go for prize support uh, or two sort of models, uh, models, yeah. right? There's mm-hmm. the one piece way. There's the flesh and blood way. So flesh and blood puts up a f- $1.5 million cash every single year. And that cash is awarded to top performers at these tournaments. One Piece uh, supports its players via promos. Um, those promos can be very expensive, but the market sets the prices <laughs> of those promos. So I hate the One Piece system, mostly because I it love in- it. It inherently trends downwards. It's it's Ponzi-nomic. It's not real value. The market determines the value. It's artificially inflated. It's not real. Um, it can be lucrative for some time, but at any time that 
the price of these promos, the market's appetite to buy them and buy them at these extremely high prices can evaporate and then all of that is gone and the game is effectively dead. I hope that Lorcana is committed to uh, an organized play system that rewards cash. It's not because I need money as a reason to compete, but cash helps people sort of get out to these events break even on their money, make money, stuff like that. Because I just the promo stuff is not consistent. It's it's not real value. And while it can be lucrative for a time, um, ultimately, I really hope they go with the cash incentivization system. They have Lorcana has the chance to be the be one of the best competitive TCGs out there. There is no other card game that is bringing players from so many different aspects of card gaming like Lorcana, like the people we've had reach out to us, the people that are interested in this game are not people I've seen in physical TCGs before. Like it is truly a melting pot and it, it's setting the stage to become one of the best games and the most popular games out there. And I hope that Ravensburger recognizes this and does OP right because it's critical. I know that Lorcana presents itself as a casual game, as a casual game. I'm um, sorry, casual game first, but organized play and aspirational content, giving players a reason to play the game is really important. And I hope they take this seriously. It sounds like they have the base model, right? It's just like compensation matters. Um, I think uh, this this podcast is a prime example of exactly what you said, Brendan. We come from all different card game backgrounds, all three of us, and we've been drawn into uh, Lorcana. So I'm super excited. Uh, I've got a question. Okay, Brendan, imagine... It's March. The announcement is revealed. Yeah. They say $5 million in cash. <laughs> Do you think... Okay, I don't think it's going to happen. Say they say that, right? Do you think it will literally... I, I, I imagine it will. It will incentivize a lot of other card gamers to hop on and onto the game and start jamming and start playing. I think a number like that would 100% do it. I've said it before on the yes. podcast. I've talked to every single card gamer I know uh, that doesn't play Lorcana. The reason they don't play it is to say organized play. They just mm -hmm. need something. They need a reason. Like they just need yeah, something to aspire to. Um, also, by the way, because I was talking to my friend um, Majin Bay. He's a <laughs> by big, the way, it is five from it though. though. <laughs> yeah. uh, my friend Majin Bay, who I guess is slash kind of was like one of the biggest uh, Rintera streamers, and I was like telling him, I was like, dude, you gotta check out Lorcana. Like it's actually really good. Like um, it's way better than I thought. And I was getting r roasted in the chat. People saying Lorcana was shit. Everybody I know who thinks Lorcana is shit has literally not played the game. They're like, oh, mm. it's too simple. It's a magic clone. It's just like, <laughs> so I, many actually, people are, yeah. At the One Piece event, because people know that I play Lorcana as well, they were all like, mm. uh, do you like Lorcana? I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's fun. I like Lorcana. They're like, but, but it's so slow. It's like, uh, mm, you have to play a character the next turn at Chris. It's, it's so <laughs> slow. Mm, but I don't, I don't know how much they've played the game either. And yeah. maybe they should give it a try. Oh, for I the, think that's for, what it is, yeah. For the promo cuts, I think, uh, like, reward system. I think for One Piece, it can work for, like, a very long time because there's enough crazy One Piece fans, right? It's um, And if it can work, I do think the model's great because it basically means that the uh, organized play, huge prizes will always be sustainable for the company doing them because all they're doing is printing out cards that are rare. And um, if that's enough to have people make money off that game or live off of playing that game. I think that's great, right? It's a, it is a little bit um, like the values are fluctuating and it is a little bit risky and you don't know uh, for how long they will be keeping this value or, uh, and stuff like that. But for me, for example, in One Piece, I can immediately sell the cards I earn and that's more price money than I 
but then I ever made in Hearthstone even. Yeah, it's um, definitely it's definitely better than nothing. Flesh and Blood does both. Um, yeah, but it's like in the, the imagine uh, because let's say Flesh and Blood currently has 1.5 million each year. I mean that that is expenses that they will have to think about. Um, and the company at each point they can decide. Oh, we, we actually don't think the competitive circuit uh, is yeah. making enough money to warrant us putting this much money into it. While the promo cuts, like they it's will... a cheap way of doing it, right? It's like you just yes. print cardboard and then suddenly they're worth money. But like a company should invest I, I... in its own organized play. Like we, yeah, are, I think so. We as the, yeah, I, we as the I, I agree, but the companies the don't always yeah, agree. Yeah, yeah, Hearthstone yeah. keeps taking money out of organized play. Yeah, but if they, they don't, if they don't agree, if they don't agree, we stop buying their cards. Like that's just how it works. Like they should be in reinvesting some of the money that they make via via us as players into the competitive circuit because the competitive circuit is what's making us buy the cards, what gets us interested in the game. It's a symbiotic okay. relationship, but. Yeah. You know, if, if Bandai, the One Piece yeah. publisher, is, you know, taking out million dollars of dividends and they're like, oh, we just chose this really sustainable way <laughs> to compensate an organized play system, you know, that's maybe yeah, less, not as appropriate as if they literally need to do it to survive. I think both systems are better than nothing. Don't get me wrong. I really do. Yes. Um, it's, it's, it's basically, in general, I would probably prefer actual money as well. It's just I think that a card game that has promo cards that are worth as much as as their as their price money is just like a very very safe um, game for a competitive future because it doesn't cost them anything. They will never not give promo cards. But what sets what sets the cost if you don't mind me asking, right? So it's like, which is which? That's a valid question, though, right? Well, yeah. No? What sets the cost of anything, though? It's the same thing, right? It's just it's just <laughs> sure, it's just demand. Sure. It's just demand. It's just demand. Yeah. I mean, I guess One Piece cards have. L- Lots of demands, and then they they print a few promo cards that are so rare that they have yeah. uh, extreme value because they're still so, high yeah. Demand. So it's pretty much like whatever. It's like okay, if if you win the the One Piece World Championship and only one person gets this one rare card, I guess yeah, they they fucking set it. Yeah, whatever. Like yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. So so f- for example, we had European Championships. First two mm. go to Japan as well. Mm-hmm. But let's so top sixteen got this uncut sheet that went goes for like twenty five thousand. The top three got uh, a card that only top three at these European, at uh, these like national level championship events get, mm. and it's estimated around a hundred thousand. Mm. So I don't know. That's that's, th- that's and the company doesn't money. have this cost. Yeah. It's just yeah, that's you, bizarre. Man. You guys got to be careful. I mean, I hope that One Piece maintains these old, but. Flash and Blood was in those kind of price ranges at one point. Like I've sold promo cards for that I won in the top eight of Flash and Blood, which I also got money for. I also got money from that tournament. <laughs> um, but I sold promo cards for over twenty thousand dollars. You know, three, four years into the game now, some of those promo cards are worth twenty five percent of the value that I sold them for, ten percent of the value I sold them for. Like these things can bubble up and they can evaporate yeah. pretty quickly. So the- I, I hear a lot about how I should be keeping all these promo cards because they're only going to go up in value. No, but as soon as I'm people. getting a decent price, <laughs> all my cards are gone. Do not listen to those people. They don't know what they're talking about. They might <laughs> they might be right in one year, in two years, they might be right, but they're only right because they got lucky. Do not listen to them. For, Every for, single for other example, game has gone the opposite in, way. In Hanover, where I top fought, I got a, a serial shanks, which is only like printed a thousand copies of. And... At the time, it went for like three to four k, mm-hmm. and now it's going for eight k. Yeah. So that, it that, it's just um, very tempting to maybe nah, wait. A little do not bit listen sometimes. to them. I sold my promo, like I said, for around twenty k. At one point, it spiked. It spiked up to twenty five, thirty k. Now it's probably worth eight k, or less. Yeah. Don't be that guy. 
just like you got just it it's a card it's actually worth nothing it's actually worth absolutely <laughs> nothing it's just like the market has determined that it's worth this ridiculous value and that can evaporate so quickly um it's insane so yeah absolutely sell those promo cards um anyway uh last thing i want to talk about here or the other thing i want to talk about mm-hmm. i love this you know qualifying locally to the regional championship um i don't know if that'll be done via some sort of elo system if you don't know how elo works it's basically you have like a rating system you win or lose in matches there's a k value so what a k value means is like if you play it at your local game store you can only win or lose like four points but then if you played at the nationals you could win or lose 64 points right it it, it decreases the variability of a match uh win and loss based off the prestige of the event the one thing i'm concerned about here top it says these are the regional finals, and the top performers will be playing in invi- uh, playing for invitations to the 2025 World Championship. So 2025 World Championship is an invitation-only tournament where players that top regionals will go. I actually really don't like that system because the only way to qualify is basically via one tournament. I like um, I like there to be like a circuit that you can, to minimize variance, right? When it's a single tournament, it doesn't feel as consistent. I... I I prefer like ELO based systems or systems where it's like, oh, we have this, this circuit of tournaments. And if you do well across many tournaments or you do well across a year, then you can qualify for the world championships. The world championships only inviting people who do well at the, and this is what the article says at the regional, which is the highest prestige event that precedes it. Uh, it's going to be a bit of a crapshoot to be honest. It's be hard. It's going to be really hard to go to worlds. Doesn't it say, now I could be wrong and it doesn't actually really specify, but it'll say uh, Ravensburg is also confirmed that there'll be additional chances chances to qualify for the championships. Exactly. But when it says for the championships, like that doesn't specify, is that for yeah, the we, NA championships and EU ones or is that for the world championships? Yeah, you know? I'll say um, you're right. That's a good thing you pointed out. Mm-hmm. I, was, I am speculating, right? I'm speculating mm-hmm. based off what the article said that the world's is like invite only. So um, hypothetically, if Worlds was invite only and you could only gain the invite via regionals, that's a pretty rough system. I hope that there are additional layers to qualify on top of that um, because Worlds should be a very prestigious event. It should be invite only, but there should be plenty of cha- ways to qualify um, if you're willing yeah. to put the work in, in, if you're willing to put the effort in. If it's if it's only top performers from one specific huge ass tournament, then it's very spiky and doesn't really reward consistency. And mm-hmm. then maybe... It can lead to these situations where maybe the best players still don't have the greatest chance of going to Worlds, and then someone who spiked that tournament is going there instead, and it doesn't feel the most rewarding. Mm-hmm. Anyway. For, yeah, for example, we are, in One Piece, we have two slots uh, as Europeans, and it was just the f- top two uh, players from this exact tournament with 2.5k players. It's mm. not not very easy to get there. I, I don't want it to be easy. I just, it's uh, maybe involves a little more variance than we would like. Yep. Sure. And uh, speaking of promos, they did show us the promo here. I don't know if this is like, this is like the regional circuit or something. No, uh, so this is for the set championship. This will be taking place during set three. From my understanding, the official OP will launch in may which i think is going to coincide with set four so i think this is kind of cool because yeah. it gets players to be a little bit more competitive get in the mood for op during set three and then as soon as set four launches i do believe that's when op is actually going to begin hell yeah this looks awesome mm-hmm. this stitch rockstar um this promo looks great it looks very um unique also Lorcana rewarding players with promos for actually performing sick like right now it's Let's be honest. It's not like that. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> most stores. I mean, I think it's up to the local game store. Most stores are pretty antithetical to that, right? It's like show up. They do whatever they want. Yeah. yeah realistically. Yeah. Mm. 
and it just goes to whoever it's not really performance based it's up to the store but it's cool to see real promos that you can have in your deck or you can sell for money like you said there's a way to uh, fund your competitive ventures but there's a card you can have in your deck that you can earn as a player that is sort of like indicative of like you worked hard for this and that, that's cool i think that's cool and i'm happy that they've added that to the card game the card looks great it looks fantastic overall i know a lot of people were a lot of people were down about the Lorcana organized place. I heard place. about this as well. well yeah, yeah, yeah. To be honest, um, and I know, like on this podcast, I compare everything to Flesh and Blood, which is the premier organized play system right now. I have a lot. I have a lot of thoughts about Flesh and Blood, good and bad, plenty of bad, but it is the premier organized play program. And I compare everything to that. And you've heard that a million times in this pod already. But this is a good announcement. I know that this announcement has no substance. There is no substance. It doesn't give us any details. We don't know what to do. We don't know. Like, we basically know nothing. But Ravensburger has their, like, they have their head in the right, like, they're thinking about the right things. Um, and this is a foundation that could set up for a very good organized play structure. Let's be honest. Ravensburger could have announced none of this. They could have. Yeah, they that's very true. They could have just been a casual card game. They could have not done OP. They could have left it up to the grassroots. And the game... I don't they could think have still made money. I, I think it still would have survived. Plenty if of no money. OP. I think yeah, the, I yeah, think yeah. the game would probably die off eventually in the hyper competitive TCG market that we that exists now. But like I'm I'm happy with this, and I think I'm super cynical. I'm very cynical. I'm very critical. Like I, <laughs> I I feel like I set a high bar for organized play. This is a good announcement. I know there's no details. I know that this means virtually nothing. Right? These pro these these tournaments could have zero prize support. They could be you know one piece level of like you have to use a bot <laughs> to get in or something because they're hyper competitive. Uh, but it's a fantastic announcement. This is this is like the best thing that's happened to Lorcana because we've been we people don't understand for like the past year we've been like will there be organized play? Will there not? <laughs> this is a this is a firm yes. There will be yeah. high level yeah, this, organized play. This entire podcast was a little bit of a gamble on that that yeah. OP exists, and so so we're all very happy that it, that it will exist. Even if, of course, um, maybe in an announcement like this, people would want to see more specifics. They didn't want just, oh, there will be tournaments and there will be prizes and here's maybe a stitch. So I, I see where that disappointment is, but I think overall this is just in the in the step in the right direction and uh, the, we can wait for the specifics to be announced at a later yeah. date. Yeah, the re people are just like, oh, this is the announcement of the announcement. I'm yeah. like, at least it was a fucking announcement, <laughs> well, you know? <laughs> I don't think people understood that prior to this announcement, we existed in a reality where it's like, Will we ever have a chance to play this game competitively? Like that wasn't there was no answer to that. It was who knows. And this is absolutely. exactly before, right? Because like they already they already told us last year that oh it would be announced in January. And I think yes, I do think maybe people had their expectations too high. But honestly, hearing that there will be a world championships yeah. and there's going to be regionals and nationals is insane. You is know, exactly I, yeah. what we want. You know. And I I must I will announce here. I've never played a world championship of any card game. And I'll see, is, I'll see you there, my boys. Big dream. I'll see you there. So. <laughs> well, we'll all be at that tournament no matter what, because yeah. there will be another big yeah, open exactly. tournament on the weekend. Yeah. But like call it like you said, like we knew there was gonna be organized play. This is way different from that. So they this announcement literally could have been, hey, 
We have organized play now in 2024 and 2025. We're really ramping it up. Now, if you go to your local game store in your Disney t-shirt and you sing the song with perfect lyrics, you now get two pins. That li- that actually could have been the announcement. And I, I know that I could get flack for, for making fun of that. And I hope you understand this in jest. But like, I'm just trying to point out that it's very hyperbolic where the announcement could have been significantly different from this. Them saying there's going to be a regional circuit, national championship, North American, European uh, regionals, and a world championship. That is, uh, that's huge. That's way more than I expected. I'll tell you that. It's way more than I expected. So, yeah. very, very good announcement. Just uh, two more things I want to point out, uh, just in regards to this announcement, because the announcement was, uh, it's quite interesting. A lot of these news outlet sites kind of, you know, obviously talk about, oh, they're kind of getting a, a huge uh, OP thing. For anyone that's really interested in this Stitch Rockstar and also the playmat, uh, some of the websites were saying that the top two players within the set championships, which uh, I'll get Brendan to read out exactly what that is now, just just in a minute. But uh, originally on some of the websites, it said that the top two players will get both the uh, promo card and the play mat. Uh, on the official Ravensburger article, it's actually top four. So more people will have this than uh, people initially thought. And then the second thing I want to point out, it may be mentioned in this article as well, is they're actually doing, like it's not all uh, OP hyper competitive news for any of you who like love disney or you just want to try and get more people involved in the game like how we want to get more people involved in the game is get our you know known card gamers people who love to compete into this because that's what we love right but there's some really good news that they announced that they're basically doing like uh i think pokemon have like this thing where it's like oh like your first battle or like magic the gathering have like their starter thing like learn how to play the game lorcana is introducing a new thing like that Uh, we don't i don't have the details in front of me but i did read that somewhere that it will help people understand the game. Mm-hmm. Obviously, as Brennan mentioned, a lot of experienced card gamers would be like, oh, this game's so simple, it's so slow, whatever. But for a lot of people, it is their first card. It is their first, it's my first physical card game, but Lorcana is a lot of some people's first card game, right? Yeah. So having having a system like that, I think is going to be really, really good. In general, it's, it's proven to be good in Pokemon and Magic already. So uh, yeah, Brennan, do you mind just reading out just underneath the section of the Stitch Rockstar there, just so you get some more information on the set championships? Okay, hopefully we're looking at the the same... I think we are. It's, it's a link you, you Yeah, linked. alongside yeah. the competitive circuit, Lorcano will be running set championships starting in April in qualifying local game stores. I can explain this to you because Flesh and Blood is the same thing. They're, they are mm-hmm. connected to the regional and world championships. Interesting. Uh, but do offer exclusive promo cards and play maps for those who do well. For the first set championship, the, the top two players, we just talked about, that's not going to mm-hmm. be it for the Stitch. Mm-hmm. Um, since the launch of the first chapter in August, Lorcana has been primarily, primarily focused on cultivating local scenes with more casual events. Yes, these, are oft, these often prioritize sporting conduct and introducing new players to the game over necessarily winning, although stores still run their own competitive events as well. So Flesh mm-hmm. and Blood has this. Um, it's called like Road to Nationals. Uh, they, the, the top players actually do qualify for Nationals in Flesh and Blood, but basically like qualifying local game stores, people that actually host weekly events are rewarded because they're given these events. Um, and yeah, there'll be depending where you live locally, there could be three of them um, in a season, four of them. You can fly to them. Uh, for instance, in Flesh and Blood, Flesh and Blood uh, did these and they were supported by playmats and promos. What it was equivalent to the Stitch Rockstar promo, actually a little bit harder to get. It only went to first. My first road to national season, I won five in a row and I sold each promo for $2,000. Woo! Yeah. And by Pretty the way, good. just for Moyen too, those promos are worth 
Well, they're actually worth more now, but they went down <laughs> significantly in price at one point. <laughs> it's like, boy, I got, you wait, just, on like, I got myself. <laughs> <laughs> they, they did go up in price because they never reprinted them when they were supposed to. Like the, you thought that they were going to do it for the next Road to National season. They're like, actually, we're getting rid of this promo and it's, uh, it looks really good. So, um, yeah, that was like a super lucrative uh, little tournament sucker for me. But I went around kind of locally. Like I went to a lot of lot of tournaments in Texas. So Dallas, San Antonio, Houston. I went up to Kansas. I went to Oklahoma. So I went like to a few of these across. But um, yeah, it was really cool. And I I agree. We This is going to be like a way more locally to compete. Mm-hmm. To actually compete, because right now we don't have that. Your local game store might be competitive, right? They might have their, you know, give packs to first or something like that. But ultimately, via the publisher, we have no sanctioned competitive aspect of the game right now. Yeah, it is also April, so my mistake. It's not going to launch alongside set three. It's pretty much towards the end of set three, but still like a month before official OP yeah. comes out. So it should be uh, should be good. I'd have a tangent, though. One thing you said when people were saying, when someone says Lokana is simple... I played a lot of card games. I played a lot. I played card games at a high level. When someone loves Lakana is simple, I immediately know they haven't played the game. Like I actually mm. do. Like it, that's like an insane take, right? There's no way you've played the game at a high level if you think it's simple. Like, of course, the mechanics are they're mechanically the game and the rules. They're relatively simple. They're easy to understand. But Lakana is an extremely hard game to play optimally. Like you are faced with so many choices throughout the course of a game, especially when it comes to inking the right and wrong cards. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it's it's insane. So. It's such a weird take that so many people have. People, more people need to actually play the game. It's crazy. For sure, for sure. Moin, you think this game is easy? Somewhat, yeah. <laughs> um, at least in its current state, I, I think. Yeah. I don't know. I think I think most games... I don't know. I, I haven't played most card games that much, but I, I don't think this game is more difficult or more complex than most other card games, which is fine. I think the complexity level is fine, but I don't think... It's anything crazy. Well, I don't think you call it simple either, right? Like simple, like it is, simple is a weird word, right? Because some mm-hmm. people are like simple as in like too easy, but the game is simple to understand, right? Simple to play and simple to you know what I mean. But there's a lot of depth in the game, as Brandon mentioned with inking, right? There's a, there's an awful lot of depth huge deck building requirements, all of this types of stuff, and I think that's the things that people will just like when they look at it on a base level, they're like, oh yeah, it's basically just how you play magic or how you play hearthstone it's the same system right like but i mean at the end of the day there's still super unique mechanics to the game as well right and so i just think topping a major lorcana tournament with like any reasonable number of players is very hard to do like it's Mm. legitimately challenging and that you will be a beat by like players that are better than you very frequently like their skill expression yes yeah I don't think, I think some people are like, oh, if I just play that game, I just beat everybody because I play Magic the Gathering. It's like insane. No, yeah, no, that, that is not the case at all. Yeah. All right. On to the Spill the Ink section is our listener question section. I have a lot this week. I'll see if we can get through all of them. First one is from Alpha. Well, do, you want me to, do you want me to do it? Oh, yeah, Brennan? yeah. I forgot. I, forgot about that. <laughs> I got you. All right. First one's from Alpha. Uh, solid podcast. Love hearing y'all's breakdown of the tournament meta and transferable skills from previous TCG slash CCGs. I want to give a huge shout out to Alphos. If you guys aren't subscribed to Alphos, please do. He makes uh, really, really good deck breakdown videos, uh, often highlighting decks from other players, uh, not just himself. Uh, you know, most recently, some of the innovative ones we've seen, not not just like your meta decks, right? You've seen like uh, Green Mufasa stuff, um, 
or some of the, like the the crazy weird Tiana decks. Uh, really good editing, really good uh, content creator. So shout out to Alfox. He will actually be joining me in Vienna, so I, I'm not going to be alone. Which is uh, honestly that means a lot more to me than people will probably realize. Like go going to events, traveling alone, it sucks. It ac it actually sucks, right? Mm -hmm. So at least having one person there with you. Uh, uh, means a lot like because you know you want to want it to be a social event <clears throat> so uh next comment is from uh randers the magic player in me seeing nothing to hide being played uh makes my heart warm hand info is universally good across all games and will only get better with time this is a card that i saw a lot in the tournament over the weekend primarily in sapphire steel the reason being is because against the ruby amethyst player she's like oh do you have the be prepared and then you can decide if you want the wheel or the other way around if you wheel and then you do the you see the hand oh they have to be prepared it's uh it was very good uh my my girlfriend kim she was playing it against me and i thought it was good are, are brandon and Moyne about to laugh right now saying this this so, take is just absolutely I, I, oh, don't no, do it it's Boys, don't take. do this to me I, I don't picked, do this to I me picked, i picked this comment for a reason <laughs> i'll say that um they were i I'm really happy when you get, when anybody makes a comment or video it means a lot. But this this person did think that they were agreeing with us. They thought that we held this position. We do not. Uh, we actually think that hand info is very very overrated, and that yeah. So it's like we Brandon uh, and Moyen, just so you guys know. <laughs> no, it's just I don't know. I think from at least from the from our card game background, we have witnessed historically hand info very often being extremely overvalued. And in um, magic it's really bad as well. So yeah, sorry to interrupt. I don't but like know, this I person said in magic. magic this person says in magic it was very, very good. It only got better. <clears throat> yeah, that's not true. Um it's just not I mean it's good. It's not bad, right? But you wouldn't play a card just for hand info. The reason why you play Thoughtseize and sorry for the magic references because you take the card. The reason why you played Gataxi and Pro was because it cost zero. You didn't play peak. Um like it's it's pretty much it's pretty similar in Lorcana than it is to Magic, where it's like yeah. ah, it's nice to have, but you know it actually might yeah. win you a game sometimes. But you're not going to play a card for the hand info. Yeah, it's like but I, I guess nothing to hide has is, is good currently because it has the specific edge case of you, your deck gets to play a whole new world, which is fundamentally broken, and their deck gets to play a, a card that wipes the entire board, and you need to know whether they have sure, it. Sure, sure, sure. So like, yes, it's very good right now, but I would say in general. Hand info is usually a little overvalued, not undervalued. I think that's fair to say because honestly, outside of that use case, I uh, yeah, I don't know how. I guess the only ramps. other that to be fair, that deck yeah. also ramps and plays off curve. It has redundant resources all the time. That's why you can cast a yeah. ton of cards that can trip and make you go down minus one resource. Like in a in if you're in a deck that was very reliant <clears throat> on playing on curve, whether it's an aggro deck or a mid range deck, you'd have a significantly harder time playing this card. Yeah. yeah, you wouldn't be able to play a card like this in an aggro deck to see whether they have to grab your sword because, like, at, at that point you're already losing to the grab your sword, and like it's very hard to play around stuff like that. It's so funny. My mind just kind of merged the two aspects of games. So for some reason, in my mind I was like, "Oh my god, can you ever play this card and then see if they have a card like goat or like bounce things to win the game?" I'm like, "Wait, this isn't Marvel Snap. You can't retreat. You just lose. <laughs> you just lose if they have it. Like, you can see that you're going to lose. Yeah, you can. Now you can actually see that they have the cards in their hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The uh, oh, wow. the the use case of this card is um psychological now comfort now i think it's fun now now i think it's there's, there's a like you said it's played in sapphire because they have a lot of resources it works out well in a certain type of matchup yeah. but for the most part it, it is a cantrip that's uh, why i have some people who play it in the deck over some other stuff i think they play they play more of these on on less hirams i don't know if that's even correct but they play every single player says they play this card 
purely for the card draw. They say if they play four of these cards, they have a 56 card deck. Okay, so there's a, there's another card that you, you can actually make a choice on a card to play other than this that's very similar. It's called Develop Your Brain. Um, this card Which in that card were playing deck. before yeah. they mm -hmm. realized how good... Uh, how good nothing to hide is, is specifically for that be prepared use case. Exactly. People so, were actually playing develop your brain before. It's, it's non-zero. Like, it's a non-zero benefit. But, uh, in general, Moyne and I, <laughs> Moyne and I, uh, do not think that handed info is very good. It Like, again, if it's, ta it's tacked onto your card, sure, sure, I'll take it. But I'm not playing a card for hand info. Um, vast, vast, vast majority of the time. Um, and I do think that it, it definitely does not get better over time. Like, I, I definitely, I don't think it gets better over time. It just kind of stays. Plus, because actually, I would say the better people get at the game, the more hand info they have without playing a card like this, the better they get at making hand reads and meta reads on, on what potential cards are likely to be in my opponent's hand. So for that reason, I would say maybe it even gets worse when player get better and when time passes. But yeah, right now we have this edge case where it is a really mm -hmm. good card in that deck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Next comment is from Empowered. Missed you, Kawa, but the boys did great. How do you guys recommend building skill sets? Is there a recording or note-taking process you use for self-evaluation? Brendan, do you want to take this one? Because I am um, unsure as to how to answer this question. Yes and no. Uh, Wakana, no. Uh, when preparing for Flesh and Blood Pro Tours or World Championships, we absolutely utilize data. <laughs> um, we record all of our matches. Uh, we make sure we test up. We test the entire metagame. We use data to make sure we're actually testing enough matchups. We um, and then we aggregate that data, data, visualize it, and draw conclusions from there. It's not the end all be all, but it's a resource. So uh, there is some sort of note taking that um, we use for that when we're, especially when we're managing a lot of people um, on a testing team. It's really important for that to make sure everybody kind of stays on the same page. But in Lorcana, no. And I don't think there's a reason I, I, to play. play I would yet. say if you if you don't have access to to data, it is still important to, um, for example, record your games and show them to other players that you feel are also very good at the game, uh, just to get a new perspective on it. Because if let's say you just um, play games on your own and self-reflect, that's that that is already a good step, but the hardest mistakes or like the the hardest way to get better is to actually find the mistakes that, that you don't think you are making that you don't know you are making and for that you need usually need other players that uh will point out some stuff that maybe you might not be seeing or maybe you can argue about these little things with them and uh come come to a consensus or not but you will definitely come out a better player out of uh, doing these things mm. Uh, they uh, also say, I found that one, I've cracked a mulligan. For example, my games feel significantly better combined with the new Pixelborn update that shows color matchups. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, the the whole color matchups thing in Pixelborn, at the, I, I don't know how I feel about it. I think... I love it. Pixelborn, Pixelborn I, I think it's good, but like Pixelborn ladder right now, it's like um, until we possibly... Uh, see that in the official op stuff i get i don't know very much it but it's also something OP, yeah well like but like in in op like it's really interesting because like the more i played the tournament i'm like you'll, you'll just you'll realize this the more you you play in in person events as well and we've talked about it before as well is of of scouting or even if you're if you play through an entire tournament you get to the top a you will just know what colors are in the top a maybe you you will just you will just know for the, for the most part for the more yeah, yeah, yeah. It depends if you're solo or not. Well, for the I, I suppose yeah, for the most part, I'm not. So it probably helps. But um, 
at least in all of the events I've played so far, I, I know what it is, right? Because you see, play, like, if you're sitting beside a player, and especially if you're, if you're in, I don't know, table one to four, and that's where you are for most of the tournament, and you're seeing a lot of players get up there, you will kind of see what the decks are, right? So, um, but we, I know we talked about this before of, uh, you know, the idea of actually showing the inks, uh, yeah. as Pixel Board was, but as Brendan said, yes, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's not good. It's a great update. Mm. Uh, best mm. of one was annoying without that mm -hmm. it was annoying there, mm -hmm. there used to be uh, in, in some games with like close deck list there used to be card games teams that had like designated scouters that are that were just there at, um, around the event to like scout deck list and then tell the players uh, what they yeah. will be facing team mm -hmm. channel fireball match with gathering i believe uh, could be wrong <laughs> could be wrong but even if you don't morally agree with that it's it's in the rules so that's why, like, scouting is just something that happens at high-level tournaments. I don't care what you think about it morally, but it's an aspect of the game. Whether you like it or you don't, I personally don't. Doesn't mean I'm going to, like, I'm not going to pretend it doesn't exist. And, yeah, it's just, it's a thing. And, unfortunately, more content's really effective. Because, mm -hmm. like, if you've ever played Pixelborn Best of One, you know how frick, you know how bad it can be if you mulligan for the wrong cards against the wrong matchup. So, it's huge. Mm -hmm. Uh, also says I'm enjoying being at the f forefront of a new TCG and happy to spend the extra time if re-watching matches levels up my own skill set faster. As Moyen mentioned, yes, this is a great way to try and improve. Rewatching your games, recording your games is always, always good. Mm. But I also agree with Moyen, I think, trying to share it with uh, anyone else who's also really experienced the game. You you, you just see some things that you, you won't see, right? Um, yeah. If it was up to me, I'd, I'd check out that Moyen coaching, you know? I, I don't do Lokana coaching yet, but <laughs> yet. maybe yet. If we, yet is uh, the important word there. Yeah, guys. if you have some big tournaments and I'm I'm really like at the forefront of those and and at the top of the matter, then I I will definitely consider doing that. Just as well. pay him in promos, guys. That's all he accepts. <laughs> that's all he wants, yeah. <laughs> Just tell him they're worth something. Yeah, no, I think that's the hardest part is finding mistakes you don't know you're making, right? Like that's really tough. That's why you I think that the mo one of the most important things for improving at a card game is just surrounding yourself with the right people. Like the right minds that can help you improve because it's very very hard as an individual mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh next comment is from zero skater shout out to uh skater he i don't know if he currently still is but was at one stage the rank one pixelborn player thanks for the shout out you guys must have shouted them out when i wasn't uh wasn't here uh i finished seven two in swiss with my discard deck this was for the first uh tier beastie mm -hmm. tournament just barely missing out on the top eight losing round nine to haymaker my only other loss was to uh, Jebas, where I bricked game three, so only losing to players who made top four is pretty nice. I do agree with you, by the way, that this card is very reliant on its combo engine, so it isn't the most consistent, but I do think it's consistent enough, and you sleep on it a bit. Great tourney coverage. Can't wait for the next episode. I think you've talked a lot about this card, Brendan. I know your personal opinions of the deck in terms of you don't find it the most well. enjoyable to play, but you did recognize and you did say that, you know, if you hit your engine off the, off the start, it's pretty, pretty insane. I have my personal opinions of myself as well, which is like, I'm biased against the deck. I hate the deck. Like, I hate playing decks like that. They make me die inside a little bit. When I don't have cards in hand and my opponent is winning on board, I'm like, well, what am I doing? <laughs> so, that being said, the deck is probably better than my mind will accept because I just, I can't sure, sure. stand playing that deck. 100%. Alright, next comment is from Waifu. I agree, I agree with Brendan's commentary on how cards that give plus one value end up helping win a game in the long run. My question for next week's podcast for you guys is what are your thoughts on Amethyst Steel, specifically the Blue Fairy Floodborne package? I like it a lot because it feels very control-based and it rewards you for knowing what to mulligan depending on the matchup. Swords for the hyper-aggro matchup, etc. while replenishing your hand as well. 
I also think being able to bounce back top end cards like Acos Ursula, Seven Cost Ursula, oh sorry, Acos Elsa, Seven Cost Ursula, and John Tinkerbell with Madame Mim cards is just so powerful. Love the podcasts. Um, I mean, this was addressed to Brennan, so I'll you can start off. But Moine has more thoughts on Blue Fairy, the Blue Fairy, don't you? No, I, I, I think Blue Fairy Flatbond package made the deck a lot better than it used mm-hmm. to be. It's just I agree. Uh, the the meta shifting towards more Sapphire Steel didn't uh, did did hurt the the Steel Amethyst deck quite a bit, and I I I still don't see it beating Amethyst Steel uh, Amethyst uh, Ruby Amethyst. So mm-hmm. I I still think the meta is just kind of hostile towards it. Other than that, it's a pretty good deck. I think I, I guess the bouncing your high end cost card. I don't think it's that powerful. I think it's like. It, your bounce cards are extremely versatile and that's good about them, but it's not like a crazy powerful application of those bounce cards to be bouncing your Elsa or Ursa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, agree. I think I think the deck I think the deck is very good. Uh, it's, like I said, it's the, it's the only one that I lost you, but that being said, I mean I signed my agreement when I played an aggro deck against any steel deck. So mm-hmm. like uh, but honestly I, I'm I'm impressed with how it's evolved. The specific list that I looked at had a lot of um Obviously, Floodborns to take advantage of that Blue Fairy package. I'm going to go on a tiny bit of a tangent and just talk about Amethyst in particular. I honestly think that the best card in Amethyst that you guys will maybe disagree with me because you've been playing the, the, the Ruby Amethyst package the longest now. I think the best card in all of Amethyst at the moment is the 3-3 Snake. 2-card 3-3 Snake. I think it is absolutely insane. Uh, just because it's so cheap for for bouncing things, I don't think it's particularly the best for the combo of bouncing your high cost stuff. I mean, I've I've seen situations where my opponents like, oh, I'll play Elsa and I'll bounce it back. I'm so smart, and I was like, whole new world. You just just killed your Elsa. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that that's why I don't think that is as good utilizing like the full. You know, I'm gonna go giga value mode on my cards, but I do think personally that the the two cost three three snake is just insane because it's so versatile because you get that early start and then also because it can be valued towards the end yep. of the game as well like late game it can just bounce a merlin gold for the final mm-hmm. law you need and yeah. but yeah I, I agree with you that like the best application is the the three three on on turn two that also puts your one drop back into your hand that you can then use for as ink yes that, that's yes. That, that is it's most common and it's best application i think i agree brennan I agree. I mean, it's just an over, it's an overstated, overstated two cost that deals with like everything. Um, mm-hmm. Not even counting the bounce aspect. It's just like so many problems that you would face as a deck utilizing that card are solved by you having a two cost three, three on board, like kills Simba, kills Lilo. Doesn't die to grab your swords. Like the three, butt is also important. Like the card, the whole modern min package in general is just kind of OP to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next comment is from, uh, Shatting. Uh, how do you feel about playing Scar and Ruby Amethyst if you're going to be playing Peter Pan's Shadow? Uh, of course, Moyen's going to be taking this one, but it is interesting. I didn't see any Scars at all in... I don't think... I could be wrong. In majority of Ruby Amethyst lists, I haven't been seeing too many anyways, but I think you still respect Scar a lot, Moyen, if I'm not mistaken, right? Like, the card is still yeah. very, very good, but I just don't think you play as many. Um. So, yeah, in the, in the top eight of the TR tournament, I was playing... Um, two Peter Pan Shadow, one Scar. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like Scar, but I, I think we should, we should almost forget that Scar, uh, with Peter Pan Shadow can kill multiple evasives because it's kind of a world that will very rarely exist. Mm. I think Scar is a pretty good card, but 
Um, not for that reason. Yes. I think it will be very rare that you have Peter Pan, Shadow on the board, and they have multiple evasives, and then you play Scar and kill multiple. It's, it just, that just doesn't happen. Um, what I, what do I want to say is, uh, we've seen a little bit of a shift in Ruby Amethyst list. There's more of the, eva- uh, aggra- there's more of the aggressive lists, uh, going around now. And Scar is not very good against that. It's just a little bit slow. I think Scar is at its best when it counters like Ember Steel type decks. And they're still, I think I, I, I watched, uh, I watched, the analysis of like the last few tournaments and the decks that topped. It was like by a wide margin, it was Ruby Amethyst was the deck that topped the most. But I think second was actually still Ember Steel. So yes, it has its application there, but it is still nowhere near as popular as it used to be in at the start of the set and, and in the last set. So I, I think it's also fine to cut the scar again. I do think that Maui and Scar Stonks are going to go up moving into set three just because they handle, they deal with locations so well, right? Like I know with Scar in particular, if you kill the location first, it won't reset because it has to kill a character, if I'm correct. I think that's what it says on the text. But um, Maui destroying a location is like super, super good now as well. Also, it doesn't take any damage, stuff like that. Brendan's smirking over no, here. I just, I'm, I'm, I just I can't like... wait to talk about locations because I oh, saw okay. I saw on Twitter and on our YouTube comments, we were like, oh, locations are so bad for the game. They're so OP. But like, nobody thinks about locations the right way. We're just like, they're mm. kind of sh- just bad characters. Like, your characters also passively gain lore. You just have to tap mm-hmm. them. But locations come in tapped. Like, yep. <laughs> and they, they come in tapped and they're always tapped. Yeah. And like, yeah. there's like, there's like, there was like a zero five location that came out. I'm just like, dude, it's busting. I'm like, what? You would never yeah. play, a, what, I think it was like a three cost. Like, you never play three cost zero five, the cost for two. It's like, I mean, maybe in some day, but like, it's not good. It's not great. It's like, whatever. I don't know. Mm. I just don't think locations are nearly as bust as people think. And I think when people think yeah, about we- locations, they're like, oh, you just think you can't interact with it. It's on board. The passive against lore. It's like, it's like the most interactable thing that exists. It was we the did newest this comparison like three or four podcasts ago. Yeah, the um, one that, that you, you you talked about, it was like the two cost six health location. It's like, well, isn't this just like a on on isn't this just like a tapped character that's possibly mm-hmm. getting lower? And people yeah. are like, Oh my god, it is, but now people are just like, Yeah, I don't know. They forgot again. Yeah, yeah. they forgot they just forgot. People yeah. are really, well, I, I don't I know. I didn't look at the new cards. Maybe you have a lot of move synergy now, but Yeah, you, you guys okay. can see that if there's synergy, that's different. But people are like yeah. synergy is one thing and like let me tell you something. If if locations need synergy, like things moving on to them to be good, that should tell you a little bit about how good locations are without the synergy. They're just tap characters. Like yeah. they're not good. Also, like they're not that good. Also, also, I feel like Brandon is like uh, the player that hates synergy. Every card needs to be good on their own. <laughs> always synergy. Yeah. Nope, I don't want that. Yeah, just that plus one value, baby. Just I, yeah. play, I play better cards. I don't care if they work together. No, I believe in synergy yeah. sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next comment is from Lawrence. Possibly gaining lore is a lazy and... <laughs> this is so funny. Yeah. This is the next comment. Possibly gaining lore is a lazy and terrible card design, especially when you can manipulate with other cards for 3-4 lore, turn over turn. Ruby Amethyst would still be a great deck, but it would be a much more fair matchup against the rest of the meta. I think this is referring to locations. It's just I like so. locations are just—they're not that crazy, like yet. No, I think that's just referring to goat and book because they're referring oh. to Ruby Amethyst. Mm. Oh, I think that is true, actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you guys feel about that now? I've played it so much that it does. Like, do you think it? it, it does it feel bad that if your opponent is on eighteen lore? 
Yeah. And you're playing against that. You're like, okay, they're, they're probably just going to win. Yeah. Rather than no, yeah. You know mm. what feels bad? You play a game. You're playing whatever mm. deck. You're playing whatever deck. Dude, and you're, you think you're going to play a game of Lorcana with your opponent. And your opponent goes, oh, I'm playing Amethyst Amber. Amethyst. I just put yeah. down my cards and turn them right. And that's all I do. Yeah. I don't care. Or I'm, going to, or I'm going to discard your entire hand. That yeah. feels bad. Yeah, I don't care um, like what you're playing. I don't care what your game plan is. I don't care what you smell like. I'm just turning my things right. That's all that matters. That I, I think feels like as long bad. as like the, this clock of passive lore can be like um out out clocked. Like you can pressure yeah. enough so that you still win the game before them. I think that's a healthy thing. And in general, I like something like this existing because it means that um. It makes the game a little bit faster, and we have we've I've heard this criticism a lot that the game's too slow, so at least it, it's a little faster in that way. And also, maybe it can enable you to know that you're going to lose a game a little bit earlier because sometimes it I think some of the worst card game experiences are when you play out a game that you know you're 99% losing, um, okay. and you're like sitting there, but you are hopelessly playing for your 1%. So maybe it also in, it has enabled some games where you know for sure you're losing yeah. and you can actually get out of the game. It's also been a situ the opposite situation where like I had a game in my top four. It was game one. I was going to lose the game, but I top decked the friends. Which yeah. Then I drew into a goat and I won. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've done it before. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I top decked my friends. We're at the end of the game. It's like, I have my friends. Yeah. It's like, all I have to do is draw a goat plus a two-cost mana mim. I, I win this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very unlikely, but... Um, yeah, I honestly, the tangent, but one thing I kind of want them to institute in the game are more things that you would put on board that stop things from questing that require interaction. Because I do genuinely dislike the the aggro of Lorcana. Like, it just, it kind of irritates me because it, it really, the aggro decks in Lorcana, not all of them, but to, to an extent, the archetype just like is, I just put my things down. I literally don't care what's going on. I'm not doing combat. I'm not respecting cards. I'm not respecting you having any cards. I'm just turning everything right. And I wish there was more cards that existed where like, you put this on the board, this has to be dealt with. And until this is dealt with, it kind of slows the clock down. I just feel like that kind of doesn't exist right now. Um, <laughs> Wait, isn't there an emerald card that says like, your characters can't John rest Silver? if this is rested? Yeah, I'm not playing emerald, bro. <laughs> Who's playing Emerald in 2024? It's, it's, not, it's not the silver card. It was a different card. Mother I think Gotham? the best example... Yeah, it's Mother yeah, Gotham. Mother right? And there's also... Um, I don't even know. I'm not, I, don't, I haven't seen the card played once. It's like the new Dr. Facilier Evasive. It's like so, something about like he stops some, someone for questing. But yeah, I think the best example... And you guys have probably seen it already. Like the, the primary thing that I did in the tournament over the weekend was... Towards, towards top 8, I did start caring about my opponent's cards a little bit more. And I, as I grow, the only thing you really care about is like, there's, there's no interaction, but it's like, how much do I commit to the board in case they have a clear, right? That's the most kind of interaction, most thinking you're kind of doing, right? Um, But the biggest thing that I did, and you guys have seen it as well, it's just like the Arthur, uh, LeFou, or Madame Imp, like, bounce package, because it's just a loop. You just keep looping with Arthur, you either reset him or you bounce him back yeah. and you just keep doing it, keep doing it. And then it's like, if they don't have the smash or they don't have anything else, then that is not, that is literally non-interactable. Like, yeah. there's very, there's very few, the only decisions you're making is, okay, like, do I actually, literally, the only thing you're really thinking about is, okay, is it worth me bouncing back an Arthur because they have some really big clear that's going to stop my loop? That way my loop is now in my hand. Or do I just keep doing it on board? But if they have the removal, then my card's dead. And that's yeah. such a minimal amount of stuff to think about than is really required. But I guess that's that's kind of aggro in any game, isn't it? Or mm. like, I don't know. 
Definitely not One Piece is different. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. One Piece and Flesh and Blood. But like, I think I have an unfair amount of malice towards aggro in a game. I think it might be similar to aggro in like Hearthstone. Like Hearthstone, they're not turning mm. right. They're just going face. But at least mm. you have like taunt characters and stuff. <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, they, I, sure, just, I no, just really don't There's like no taunt stuff. for gaining lore, right? Like like we're saying, oh, oh the taunt for gaining lore is on turn six with Mother Gothel. Yeah, <laughs> it's like... Actually, in, in Hearthstone, the, the, the aggro decks had very interesting des- decisions of whether to trade or to go face. Mm. Um, but it's... A couple years ago now, I think, they implemented the, the wash mechanic, which means mm. they can attack the turn they played, but only minions. Yeah. And that's like yeah, the yeah. most stupid mechanic ever because it just takes that decision away from you. It's just because making the correct trades is a lot easier than, than deciding whether you actually want to trade or push some face damage. Mm. So I think aggro decks have gotten a little bit yeah. more stupid in, in Hearthstone. Yeah. Sure. Uh, okay, yeah, the last comment is from user. Where do you get announcements and sign up for Tia's Pixelborn tournaments? Brandon will have a link down in the description. The, yeah, the next a, yeah, major it, it tournament... Was, it was in the description for this one, too. Oh. For the okay, past yeah, video, yeah. but yeah, yeah. There's a link to their mm-hmm. Discord in the description. Actually, there's yeah. a link to everything in the description. You don't know that. <laughs> Literally everything we talk about. <laughs> it's in the description. Click click on the description right now. Uh, yeah, the next major one that Tia's doing, uh, I think there's going to be a break this weekend, because like she was saying, it's kind of... It's weekly to bi-weekly, I would say more more often bi-weekly than weekly, uh, but the next one, uh, there's going to be a $1,500 prize pool, but this time there is um, a pay-in fee. It's going to be $15 to enter in. So it's going to be interesting because obviously the last one was free and that was like the biggest online one we've had yet, but I I I think for how much T is doing for this community, I don't think $15 is, is, is again, if you can't afford it, I'm not saying, oh, you should just pay or whatever, you know what I mean? But like, I think it's fair because it's like a little bit more than, than if whatever you would pay for your locals per week, right? Like, so, what is it for you, Brennan? It's like 10, 10 bucks at locals or something like that? Bro, I don't even like, know. I just swiped a card. I don't even look. <laughs> no, seriously, like, so, I don't look. Like, it's like, what? It's like 10 to 20 bucks. It's whatever yeah, they it's want. Like, whatever. Just, yeah, is, yeah. The, is the price pool set or is it like, yeah, yeah, it's set now. It's okay. set. I, I, because, I think uh, uh, if there's if if people pay more than what's being paid out, then I think people will hate that. If people are paying more than what's yeah. what do you mean? Like, but, if, so if not if not all of the sign up goes into the price pool. Oh, I think it does. Okay. There was a there was a pre- previous fundraising event that happened mm-hmm. between two majors, and all of that went to the like the next one. So that's the way he's doing it for sure. I'm honestly mm-hmm. okay with people profiting off tournaments. I think it's fine. Like if you can make a tournament that is attractive enough that for is, players to play in, yeah. and it's smooth enough, and it's a good enough game experience. Yeah, but but you you know that if uh if 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 there's a tournament that says okay, eighty percent of the buy-in fee goes into the price pool, people don't want to sign up. You know what I don't like doing is playing tournaments where it's like, oh, we have a $10,000 prize pool, fine print. If only 100 people show up, it's actually a $20 prize pool. You're like, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that, that's terrible. Um, that, that is definitely not what these tournaments are doing, but you should be careful for those tournaments because they suck. It's like, oh, depending on if we actually go profitable, uh, we're just going to cut all your pricing randomly. Like, I've had that before. I've shown up to an event where I've paid like 30-ish euros for a thing and they promised this wild prize. I'm like, oh, people didn't really show up. So it's like kind of shitty now. I'm like, yeah, mm. that is like, um, mm. everything about that is bad. And you shouldn't give people a pass for doing that. Like, there's actually not really reasonable excuse. If people advertise a high price pool because they want to use it for, you know, advertisement sake, get people interested, and those people don't show up, and then they cut the price pool, the people who did that are turds, and you should not let them get a pass. 
All right. All right. All right. On to the main topic. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, if you want to get your question right on next week's episode, you should just come on YouTube. We'll get to queue it up. All right. Main topic is I just want to talk about the state of the metagame real quick. Um, there's a lot of Sapphire Steel on ladder. Uh, like back when he had Tail on the podcast, T on the podcast. But I saw I saw some responses. Like there was Sapphire Ruby everywhere, and I can't ramp anymore. What's going on? Because that Sapphire Ruby destroys Sapphire Steel. By yeah, the way. it's by far the best deck against Sapphire Steel. It's not a very good deck in general i think like it's a, it's a decent deck but it's not like one of the best decks but it's extremely good against sapphire steel if you yes. want to beat sapphire steel play play ruby sapphire yeah and good then, against sapphire steel and, and amber steel still i think, mm-hmm. I think it's still okay against it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sure and then um i just want to give you the floor as well call i talk about aggro deck like what, are the, what is the <laughs> matchup spread okay it's good in ruby amethyst but does it just lose to every steel deck well I wish I could speak a little bit more because, my, as I said, my first game was against Steel. Um, it felt pretty bad. I lost. But then all my other games, I actually didn't play Steel, which was quite interesting because I thought there would be a little bit more. And there was a lot of blue Steel in the room, Sapphire Steel. I still feel like that matchup is fine. Mainly, as I was, I was talking to Moyne about this before the podcast, uh, they only really run Grab Your Sword and Tinkerbells. They don't play the lower end stuff like the that Storm Rage on, Strength of Raging Fire. It's much tougher against uh, uh, Amber Steel. But that being said, the the deck can still issue crush you if they just run a smash. Like if you play an Arthur and they smash you, it yeah. feels pretty shit, right? So <laughs> it's still very unfavored. Go ahead, Moin. Yeah, so I would say against against like Sapphire Steel, it heavily depends on how many copies of, mm. uh, of Smash they play. Yeah, for sure. Uh, after that, it was. Um, I mean, I did play actually one Sapphire Ruby, just the most free game I've ever played. Like it, it's just true. Like they just they just couldn't keep up with the aggro. Played against the green Mufasa deck. That matchup is actually a little bit more interesting than you would think. If they just kind of pop off. Um, uh, fun fun fact, in, in the tournament, Raven did actually go Mufasa into Mufasa into Rapunzel. He absolutely popped off at one stage. So uh, that was kind of cool. But all I will say is, I, I don't know if I'm going to play this deck in the next major tournament. The reason I played it was because, I think we said this before, in a environment or in a tournament that you feel is going to be dominated by ruby amethyst in this current stage of the meta i think playing an aggro deck uh like what i played is it it makes sense to do if you feel like you can dodge enough steel i think it's fine but honestly if you go like this next event i'm gonna be playing in there's gonna be 150 players compared to 43 right that's that's a huge difference so matchup spread is going to be a lot harder i think you can still i think using an aggro deck you can still make a top cut but I feel like it will be harder for sure. That's my take on it. Um, yeah. I wouldn't play Ruby Amethyst if I didn't feel comfortable in the mirror as well. I think the deck is really mm. good, but you're likely to face a lot of mirrors. And that mirror is uh, uh there's the mirror's var- hard. There's very. I think I think the mirror is hard. Yeah, yeah. like I, well, I, I I played. I think the better player mm-hmm. wins most of the time. In the Ruby yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I played against a lot of different versions of Ruby Amethyst. Some like. Most of the ones that ran teeth, that was the biggest problem, right? Because like, there's teeth, my Pinocchio sucks, like all that types of stuff. Uh, they even, some some players actually played the two cost uninkable Pinocchio that exerts. I had a lot of trouble getting by that that card as well. That was super good, especially when they start doing that. Then they bounce it with Madame Mim and they just fucking do it again. Like that is, that is very, very difficult to deal with. Yeah. Um, I would this- say it's, be- it's because aggro is like, uh, one of its biggest strengths is that basically almost always your character quest at least once, but when you mm. lose this, okay, they didn't quest at all, and that multiple times, then it can... Oh, it's very bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
But overall, I actually do agree with you, Brennan. I think some people could play that aggro deck and still lose, like, really, really hard. I think you just have to understand what you're, what you're doing, and it comes down to the better player. Inking the correct cards. Like, I feel like I had a matchup against a really good control Rubiantis deck that I was... It was going to be really hard. I did actually 2-0, but... Yeah, I spent very long playing aggro, and usually I'm just, like, spamming cards, if that makes sense, so... Um... <laughs> I don't know. It was it was interesting. It, it was the experience of playing an aggro ruby amethyst uh, list was uh, it 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 was just really interesting. It helped me a lot more than I thought it would originally. I thought it was going to be spamming cards, but it really I really respect the matchup still now. It was not it was not as easy as I thought. That's my final thoughts. Yeah. Mm. All right. Last thing I want to talk about here is a spoiler. Um, I will remember to put it on screen. I will, I will, I will. <laughs> Free on YouTube. Anyway, it is an Amethyst card. It's called the Sorcerer's Hat. It's an item that costs two, can be inked. It says, incredible energy. Tap. Pay one. Resource. Name a card, then reveal a top card of your deck. If it's a name card, put that card into your hand. Otherwise, put it on top of your deck. That's some interesting card design. That is some interesting yeah, card it, design. I know it's, it's like, not very good. I know it's not good, yeah, but that's no, but interesting. It's like, it's like bad until we get stuff where we know the top card of our deck yes like, yeah, like, we, we i mean we already have that but then trying to combine it i mean we've the we've scry squirrel we scry ursula's cauldron we have um yeah i mean this would be else? pretty nasty with ursula's cauldron let's be real you mm -hmm. play an ursula's cauldron on curve you're in a you're in a control mirror match your opponent doesn't have steel so they can't blow up your, your thing <laughs> <laughs> <You're> just, <laughs> okay. and and sapphire because everyone plays judy hops Judy Hobbs. Yeah. All right. Perfect case scenario. Um, no, but we are... If you play this with Cauldron, it's pretty nasty. Like, you're drawing a card for one resource. Every have, time, you seen, have you seen the new card as well? Uh, so, uh, Helling Mines, a good friend of ours, he actually brought a uh, Amethyst Sapphire deck to the tournament because he always brings different stuff. So he wants to, like, shake it up and stuff like that. Uh, there was a recent Sapphire card reveal. I'll have to try and pull it up. I, if I'm not mistaken, it's an item card... That when any when a character quests, I got you. I got you. Aurelian, you know what it is? There it Jesus is. Christ, the name. Aurelian Gyro Sensor. Um, mm -hmm. It's an item in Sapphire. Cost two, can be inked. It says seeking knowledge. Whenever one of your characters quests, you may look at the top card of your deck. Put it either on the top or bottom of your deck. Okay. This. How do you find it? <sighs> Wait, he said okay, like he likes it. No, I mean <laughs> this. This also works with the hat. Yeah. That's that's why I said. Yeah, okay. but this you need the thing to quest the cauldron. Just like oh, you just activate it. That's yeah, but you can do it multiple times. That's true, <laughs> which isn't isn't very strong. Yeah, but you can't. Yeah, you can't tap the hat multiple times, Wait, right? What the? Yeah, I didn't even think but about you can, that. Like, okay, put so put it you... bottom, put it bottom until you find one you like, and then you draw it with that. Turbo through your deck. This is a great combo card potentially. Wow. <laughs> Um, yeah, I do think it's just like an OTK card where, yeah, where yeah, like yeah. we need to find the combo, and then we just put the non pieces to the bottom. Mm, so we find our goat when we're really searching, like we're really searching for our goat to win the game. <laughs> so I think this card is actually bad, but it is really cool because you can turn both through the deck. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, I mean, with Cauldron, Sorcerer's House is very good. Speaking of breaking the meta, speaking of OTK, you guys see the Ruby Sapphire OTK deck? Don't talk to me about this deck. Bro. Don't talk. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Yo, it so plays it, fucking dinner bell, bro. I can't take this deck seriously, bro. Dinner, I mean, let's uh, look past the dinner bell. Nah, I can't look past it, Brendan. Sorry, I can't. 
It is cool. It is cool. The combo deck is super, super cool. I think I played against it once on Pixelborn. I was like, what the fuck is this aerial card? And then I was like, oh, oh shit. I lose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, yeah. What do you, what do you um, think about it? Did you did either of you play against it or is your no, first? But it, it looks pretty bad, but kind of fun. But imagine hmm. if it has the Aurelian gyro sensor. <laughs> Uh, then it can find the combo piece. Is it better though? Like I feel like this deck plays more items than those characters. <laughs> Every so. time aerial quests, you can look at the top card of your deck. Fnatic did oh! say that he broke the. Oh meta shit! Meta. Yeah. Huh? Fnatic was saying I was, dude. I was so hyped for this deck tech. I haven't played the deck yet, so the deck could actually mm -hmm. be fantastic. And I don't want to. I don't want. I don't want to trash talk our boy Fnatic. But I was like watching his po his post on Twitter, and I was like, "Oh my god, we're actually getting some." I was like, you know, when, "When's it coming? Mm. When's it?" And they came out, and I was like, "All right, all right, all right." He hyped it up a lot. I haven't played. I don't know. The thing is, is like I ca I can't I can't. I have to reserve judgment because I haven't played it yet. I'll link it in the description again. But yeah, well, I'm I, I judging it, cool. it without playing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't this aerial just like yeah? I I don't know. This aerial is also three health. Like you have. This is literally OTK is in, in like you have to play the card and just pop off, right? Yeah. Like you, you this aerial card you can't do it as soon as you play, right? You can ready it from summoning sickness if that makes sense. I'm assuming because if not, then the card just gets removed. Cool deck. It's cool deck. Um, I like it. I'm gonna play it. I will play it. So I'll try to. I'll I'll give a verdict. Oh, but oh, but so it's so it's not an OTK. Oh, it is an OTK. It's trying to be an OTK, right? Sure. But whenever you play an item, you may ready this character. That that's yeah. That's not. That doesn't mean it can quest the same turn. Let's play it. That's I think it. this one can. It, it can. Moin. Oh. It doesn't specify. It doesn't specify. It yeah, it doesn't specify that it can't quest. All other cards say that it can't quest. Yeah, like the food okay. and stuff. Uh, yeah. Okay, then it's at least less bad. Moin's <laughs> like it's no TK deck when gyroscope comes out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um last thing I want to say is I just wanna well one sec. Let me last thing I want to say is that there was a card that you know we talked about in spoiler season. We got a lot of flack for. A lot of flack. A lot of flack. Which one? Dinner Bell. And I mm. want to remind all of you out there <laughs> this card is terrible. <laughs> and you okay. all are crazy. Okay, but some some people play play a few copies in Ruby Ruby Sapphire. They're, no, that's, no, they do. That's wrong. No, 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 no. They do. But Brandon's just saying, no, please don't. You, <laughs> no. you can't have a four cost uninkable item in your deck, and then you have to pay two on top of that and tap it to kill your own yeah. character. But in Ruby Sapphire, you have a lot of resources. Oh my god! Wait, does it kill the character? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? Wait, I thought it just you sacrifice it. Oh, I thought it just drew depending on the damage. It's so much worse than I thought. Yeah, but sometimes oh, you wow. can like trash it. Yeah. Like on a a, on specifically Maui, yeah. like, you don't care that much. Mm. It can be okay, but overall the card is bad. I think this is but like the one of the worst that cards that has okay. ever existed in the game. It's so ridiculously overcosted. Actually, first round in the TS tournament, I lost to the, no. the fat Goofy. They just oh. jammed oh. the Goofy, and I couldn't remove it. Uh, I'm so excited for this spoiler season, because I feel like we've, you know, we may have gotten a little bit more respect this time. I hope. May, I uh, hope so, but I think we did pretty well overall with, with the evaluations. Yeah, and every single spoiler, like, every single time we talked about spoilers last season, we were getting roasted. <laughs> roasted. <laughs> Let me tell you about Bibbidi Boppity Boo. Let me tell you about Dinner Bell. No. <laughs> Let me talk to uh, Zero Chihiro. Yeah. 
Yeah, where's that card? Where's that card going, guys? <laughs> yeah, we were getting roasted. So maybe, maybe oh. I don't know if we'll, we, I don't know if we we'll get them all as as correct this time. But we'll try. We'll try. We love spoiler mm-hmm. season. We love. We love. Uh, Hopefully, we get our own spoiler soon. That'll be sick. That'll that be dope. Be sick. That would be sick. Hopefully, mm-hmm. it doesn't suck. Because if it sucks, I'm not going to say anything nice about it. <laughs> We need a good card for Spider season. <laughs> we need a good card. Awesome. All right. Well, great episode, guys. Uh, we'll keep our we'll keep our ears to the ground in terms of the meta game. We'll try out this this meta breaking OTK deck. I'll give it a shot, and I'll come back next week and give you my thoughts. Uh, but overall, it's a good time to be playing Volcana. the The announcement is good. I know it's underwhelming if you're like, oh, I want all the details, but this is, trust me, this is a really good announcement. Could have been a lot worse. Um, competitive play is going to be a thing in Volcana, even if they don't put up a million dollars. Which if they don't. Shame on you, Ravensburger. But if they don't, like we're still gonna have high level competitive or uh competitive Lorcana will be traveling the world to these tournaments. Like there's a bright future here. This game is bringing more people together from different card games that I've ever seen before. It's approachable and yeah, the future genuinely looks bright. So I'm very, very excited. And yeah, it's a good time to be playing Lorcana. That's all yeah. I can say. <laughs> Can I give a final shout out, by the way, and uh, I, I encourage everyone to do this if you see any of us. The amount of people at the Manchester event that said, I love your podcast, that, that obviously, that, that, that means the world. That's a really, really nice thing to hear. So uh, if any of you met me in Manchester, please comment down below. Tell me you, you watched the episode. And I hope to see you guys in, at more events, for sure. And if you disagree with our take on Dinnerbell, tell us in person as well. <laughs> your take is you're so trash <laughs> no but seriously um i haven't been out to any like big con but if you do ever see one of us and you do want to come up and you're like oh should i be bought always come up it's like it, mm-hmm. it actually it's actually probably one of the most special things that ever happened with a podcast like this and it's like words cannot describe how much those uh like those things mean it, it might seem like it might be burdensome or we're in, we're busy but definitely definitely come up it, it means a lot it's truly a special experience anyway if you listen to this podcast you enjoy it the one thing you do is leave us a review on apple Podcasts or spotify um again anything we talk about in this podcast it's in the description below all the links you need all the resources uh by the way i've been having a bug with dreamborn.inc every time i link a deck it says unsaved deck i don't know what's happening it looks like a cash issue so i just post the list in text form uh, if anybody knows a, a way to solve that issue let me know <laughs> it's been it's been haunting me for months now um there's a video version of this on youtube at youtube.com slash podcast podcast hit the subscribe button there we're over 1k subscribers on our way to 2k which is huge we're all on twitter brandon apg kawatak underscore cg and moyen underscore hs thank you all so much for listening we'll see you next week